We are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me again, it's Kevin Durso. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. It's uh, it's the last show before real hockey, right? We've talked about the preseason the last couple of weeks, but starting this Friday, the 21-22 season kicks off officially, and I am very excited. As you should be. I mean really long wait to the regular season. I've kind of hated this off season a little bit in that sense because oh, me too. When you when you do what they've done and you make a lot of changes th- this is all I've listened to or watch people go back and forth about for the better part of 2 months, close to two and a half months. I mean it feels like I mean, how far, how long ago are we talking? I guess like late July was when really all of this went down. It was mid to late July. That but they- that's that's the thing about this team, though, is while the season, like this, it's okay. Yeah, this all happened in late July. It's felt like a very long couple of months. The the short off season somehow felt way longer than usual. Oh, it felt long to me, absolutely. But that's my point. Like. To do all this stuff, I mean, the Ryan Ellis trade happened on July 17th, I think is what it was. And the first game of the regular season is October 15th. That gap of that much time, there's too much speculation going on. Too much of wondering what is it going to look like. Too much uncertainty. And I kind of just start to not be able to stand that because... I don't want to keep dealing in hypotheticals anymore. The well, so how will Rasmus Ristolainen look? Or like, I don't even. I just don't want to even think about whether or not it's going to be more like the analytics say, or more like what people who use the eye test say. Let's just play the games. Let's just actually stop with what's on paper. Let's just play and, the games and play. There it exactly. is. That's exactly <laughs> right. Like it's it's, and even the preseason. You know, we talked about. The, the team not really playing together and guys playing on off nights and, you know, Rasmus Ristolainen playing first line minutes in his first preseason appearance. And, you know, but towards the end, we did see the real, you know, pretty close to the real roster a couple of times. So we have a little bit of a sample size, but again, that is preseason hockey. And we all know that you're taking preseason hockey with a massive grain of salt. To an extent. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to. Say, I don't want to just say what I already had in mind this early, because like about the whole overall scope of the season, because it's really early to get there. And, and I have a see lot of a, show to do. Well, and I see a tab that kind of indicates where I wanted to go with this by the end of the show. So I don't want to throw just throw that banner up. I guess maybe we'll start here actually, and just yeah, we might as well put the put a bow on the preseason. I know I've kind of used that. Couple of times, no, and we'll, talk, and we'll talk about the bullies later. Don't you worry. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. You have a. It's funny. We we both came into this with like beefs today of some kind. Like, oh, we have both a, have agendas to settle on tonight sh- or today's show. Absolutely. Well, today, tonight, whenever you're listening, uh, doesn't yeah. matter. Either way, uh, scores will be settled. Yeah, maybe not, but no, nothing's know. gonna be nothing's gonna be settled. But it doesn't matter. We're gonna things get... will be said. <laughs> It's a bold prediction for a podcast, I know. But things will be said. Things will be said on a podcast? Who I know. Knew? I know. Um, all right, so so we'll right. Down the stretch here. Boston, New York, Washington. Where do you want to start? Well, it's really... I, I think the only the only game that was really worth talking about extensively is the Washington one again. Because that was the close to full lineup kind of thing. And it's actually like... 
there's almost less news from watching the preseason games and more from the stuff that happened in the days between these games because we knew we knew what was going to happen. We knew that because of the fact that there was a game on Monday night and a game on Tuesday night, they were keeping guys on the roster for longer to play those two games out without having to say, I don't know, like without having to use Claude Giroux two games in a row on a back-to-back in a preseason. preseason Why would you do that? You don't don't want to play that. You don't want to use Sean Couturier back-to-back. You don't want to use some of these other guys. You definitely didn't want, want to go with your goalies that way, and they didn't. Like... Everything kind of lined up a certain way. So everything was on track the right way. And I didn't really take... Like, Monday's game, you you wanted to take a little more stock because of the fact that they dressed a closer to full lineup. It wasn't even... It was funny. They actually played, like, near a full lineup, you know, in our eyes on the previous Saturday against Washington. And, right. then, and then less of one against Boston. Like, there was still yeah, a line... It was very there was strange. A, there was still a line or two that you went, oh, well, that's not going to be the regular group. Okay, you know. Right. They chopped it, was, it back up a little more in the preseason style. Yeah, it was. Less than we thought, more than we thought they were going to. Sure. And it was it was mostly that way. Like, we certainly looked at the, at the team that played Boston and said, close enough. I mean, it wasn't like you sat there and, and were like, what kind of lineup is this four games in the preseason? You know, it's. Right. But but definitely game five, definitely the one in, against the Islanders where you go on the road and you're definitely, especially when you're going to a minor league facility. And a game that's not, not going to be on television. <laughs> yeah. Like that's how that's how small this game is. It's it's not going to be on television. It's at a minor league facility. It's You knew that was going to be a night where you saw a whole lot of Phantoms. That was the Phantoms' first preseason game. <laughs> kind of in a way. But that was the thing, like, there's a there's been a, one one topic of conversation I guess I do want to bring up from these three games because it came up twice if you will. Carter Hart played Monday's game, right? And once again, Carter Hart looks really good. Yeah. So there's nothing really to take away from that about the goalie other than your number one guy played like your number one guy against Boston as well. The only goal that Boston scored was a power play goal in. in I guess by that point it was the middle of the second period. Like it was a scoreless game for a good. It was, chunk it was a nice tight game. Yeah, I mean, which which take it for what you will, because Boston was not playing the typical. Like the top line did not play. They didn't even really play their second line. I, like I think that their best player. I'm trying to remember who who even played in that game, but I mean, like I, I know like Anders Bjork played or something like that, or. Or no, Anton Bleed. I'm sorry, Anders Bjork is playing for Buffalo now. A- Anders Bjork, Curtis Lazar is playing for Boston. Like it's not your. It, there was no Marshan, no Pasternak, no Bergeron. I don't even think that the next like no Taylor Hall. Like they didn't play half of the main guys. So you were playing when 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 they when they say the B team, they this really meant the Boston Bruins B team. The Providence so, Bruins, right? Very much so. So. I think what people didn't like about that is the lack of domination. Like, and, and I don't beat think this team five or six nothing, right? Well, and, and it's not even giving up the goal because they gave up a goal to a guy who I think is going to sure. make their team. I mean, Jack Sidney had it, had the best game of any of them, and that's fair. He's he kind of should at that level um, when you're playing yeah. when you're playing close to top minutes. But I don't like 
so it's like it's lack of finishing though it wasn't like they didn't get scoring chances they were playing against first of all they were playing against a, a goalie who's going to play in the nhl this year because jeremy swayman was in goal so he's going to play at the nhl level it's yep. gonna by which by the way that's gonna be an adjustment process because we're so used to when it comes to boston to grasp yep. and even well even over the last couple of years yaroslav halak too that's yeah. different like yeah that's gonna be a weird one Right, like you're gonna have to start to get used to. And Swayman played last year, so Swayman's not brand new. He saw some but, time, yeah. But at the same time, it's going to be different to sit there and focus on two new guys in Boston who are really taking over for a for base. Let's just say it, a legend in Boston. I mean, he yeah. played as much as he did, and he's, I think he's top ten in wins or something like that. Like, or not top ten, but he's like he's close to the top ten all time in wins. He's like he's probably also long. top ten most hated by Boston fans, which I don't get. But that's I, that's a story for another time. Me neither. But we've had our Philadelphia's had their sins in the past too. Kind of the same thing. <laughs> so, so regardless, that's the game that people wanted it to be kind of a blowout but but i believe that i don't have the exact final shot total in front of me but i think shots that night were either 31 22 or something like that it was maybe 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 it might have been even more than that i think it might have been 30 like 36 25 or something like that but th that's the point you went in there and it's not like you weren't taking shots swayman had a really good game and you had chances they had like two breakaways multiple power plays they finally scored on one power play legitimately scored on that power play by the way with most of your top unit so it's it's look Keith Yandel setting up Sean Couturier that's what you're going to start to expect to see so that that was good something to get excited about the thing that I took away from Tuesday was the fact that it is how many of the Islanders best players it's Barzil it's Anders Lee making his preseason debut it's Bavillier again it's defensively it's Pelic and Dobson and like everybody's playing right like I think I, who else was on that line I, it was Lee with Barzil and Paul Mary I think so you've got like that going I think Brock Nelson played Josh Bailey played like they sent out the legit lineup top to bottom and you were headlined by I don't know like you were headlined by one line from the previous night and I think it was the fourth line so I think it's Nick Ovekubel playing with Connor Bunham and playing with you know, like you didn't exactly have your top line. You didn't bring it, out the the big guns. But but to get into the final twenty seconds while you're trying to kill a penalty, by the way, at the end of the at the end of regulation of a game, now you know you're going to lose. You're down two nothing. Sure. And Martin Jones is still standing on his head at that moment until finally they get one by him again on that power play because it's all over the place. Right, and uh, you can't blame him for pretty much anything that night he played really really well right and that's the thing so i didn't think it was completely fair like i i i get i get what the numbers previously said about martin jones and i get how there's a little certain instability with hesitation. Him and like yeah and things like that so i get it he hasn't to me looked as as bad as everybody wants to make him out to be. I'm not sitting here I'm not sitting here saying you want to lean on him this year. If you have to lean on him this year, you're in trouble. But right. but I am sitting here saying that when you do call his number, I think you can like he's shown you you can get a good enough start to win a game. Listen, I was a pretty big critic of Martin Jones and I did it on this show and I did it in private and I, I didn't make it particularly 
mysterious how I felt about him. Um, I, I think it was a risky signing. I still continue to think it's a risky signing because, again, it's a pretty small sample size in the preseason against some, you know, less than sharp competition. But yeah. for what we've seen so far, Martin Jones looks supremely solid. And if he can, with a smaller role, not having to play 78 games a year, I'm being, I'm exaggerating, but not by much. <laughs> um in that smaller role where he can be a backup and play 30, 35 games. Right. Hopefully. You know, maybe 40 if, you know, whatever. God forbid, knock on wood, et cetera, et cetera. He looks like he can be a solid option this year. Potentially. I don't want to make it seem like he's perfect in any way. Like, right. I, like and, and, here's the thing. and here's the thing. The first preseason game he played in. He, he plays half the game. He was not very good. He gives up three goals on 11 shots just by the numbers, whether it's his fault or not, because two of the goals were power play goals. He had no no real shot on. Right. Doesn't matter. It's not going to look good when your goalie is making three sa- is allowing three on 11 right. or making eight saves out of 11 shots. There's no way to excuse that. But I, like I'll go back in and I'll find his other games really quick just to bring the whole point around because he played last Saturday he played Tuesday and he and he kind of unexpectedly played on Friday it was supposed to be Carter Hart's game Carter Hart had a maintenance day on Thursday and they held him out of the game and he was back he was back at practice on Saturday so calm calm down everybody he's fine but um so he made where is this at so he made 21 saves on 22 shots on Saturday's game last week which is where we were coming into this week's show, basically. And that's why we were still sitting there going, listen, that first game was rough, but he adjusted and two nights later gave you that. Right. Now, I get it. Not playing Washington's best by any stretch, but gave you that. Take it, you know, definitely take it. Even in a game where he lets up three goals like that against the Islanders, he makes 27 saves. And you're not playing your best lineup either. So you're assuming you're going to get more defensive support. So, right that's good enough. I mean, like to me, that's if, if they're taking 30 shots and you're going to get 27 saves, I mean, it's a 900 save percentage. Is it great? No, it's not, but that's kind of what you need to expect from your goalie. Who's a backup. I was going to say it's serviceable for a backup. That's about what that number is going to look like on most nights at, on most teams. And then he gave you 28 out of 32 on Friday's game, which again, it, it that that's not a good save percentage, but it's the Washington Capitals at full strength with a lot of guys and some goal, a couple goals anyway, where, like in particular, the last one, where what are you supposed to do when it's a cross-ice pass to a guy who's moving really fast like that and you have to go cross-crease? It's not easy to do. I didn't think personally that Ivan Provorov played that two-on-one very well. No, he didn't. <laughs> and that's the problem. Like, you, it needs to, you need to have everything from in front of you. Like... It's not always going to be, I mean, and like, how's the first goal his fault? How's the first goal when Keith Yandel just gives it away right in front of the net? How is that Martin Jones's fault? Nope. And that's not. where, and that's where we're already getting started with this stuff. Like, they all four goals were Martin Jones's fault because you don't like him, not you, but you know right. what I mean. Like, like, don't don't do that. That's that's like what would happen every time Andrew McDonald was on the ice, and it's well, but it was his fault whether or not oh, he actually no. had anything to do with it. Uh, a lot of times, he had something to do with it. 
<laughs> I know, but you know what I mean. Like it's it, it just didn't make any right. sense. You have to look at his body of play outside the goals, right? You have to look at the saves he's making. You have to I, look at the, his positioning. You have to look at like how he's playing the rest of the game, especially when the goals there, aren't his fault. There was a save, and somebody screenshotted. I wish I could remember who screenshotted it and put it on Twitter that made it seem like that was making fun of the fact that everything was Martin Jones's fault, and. He makes a save on the play, by the way. It wasn't like it was a screenshot leading to a goal. But Lars Eller's in the slot with four guys standing around in a box that is so spaced apart that he could walk down Broad Street and eat a sandwich in the process before he takes that shot. And Jones does make the save on that. But that's the defensive structure that in at least the third period of that last game went out the window. And that bothered me. It was... For two periods, you actually played a relatively strong defensively structured game. You gave up one goal, kind of on a fluky play, which is not even fluky. It's just off a turnover. It bounced around a couple times, pinballs into your net because Eller taps it barely, and it's out of the reach of two other guys. And what's the reason, though? It's a prolonged fourth-line shift, third-pairing shift in your defensive zone. We know what that is going to lead to. Bottom yep. line, end of story. When Big opportunity are, is probably a goal. When they are out there, if you don't if you don't know by now that they need to have at most 40-second shifts and it's get off the ice quick and let the other guys play, and their ice time is going to come from mostly penalty kill beyond that, it's got to be quick, and you can't get stuck with them on the ice. You cannot get stuck with them on the ice to have any form of success. You've right. got to be, especially, I, I'm gonna, we're gonna bounce back and forth, but especially with the, with uh, with um, it's right here. This this in mind. Okay. Right. I was gonna. I was gonna get there. Um, we did well, see that roster we, cut you were talking about. Well, it's this, but it's. It's what happened afterwards as a result of this with that to the fourth line that makes this whole thing kind of come full circle. Because forget about the fact that Morgan Frost got sent to the AHL. That's not the big – I mean, it's a big deal, but that's not the reason your fourth line now becomes even more of a situation when, when they're on the ice. If Scott Lawton's on the ice as part of that fourth line, you have a guy who moves a little bit. You have a guy who increases the speed of that line collectively because right. – it's not going to be done with Nate Thompson and Nick Aubey-Kubel. Even though Nick Aubey-Kubel can move, you can't rely on that. You've got to be able to move and cover properly and things like that. Like Lawton's the most defensively responsible of any of the players on that line when it's in its usual shape and then can move the best too. Right. Like He's the most well-rounded player on that fourth line when he plays on that fourth line. It's obvious. I mean, we've talked about this before. How much of a luxury is it to sit there and say, well, a guy like Scott Lawton can be your second-line winger or your third-line center or whatever it is, but I have him on the fourth-line left-wing spot. That's really nice to do, that you have that many guys above him that you can say, let's play them instead, and he sits in the fourth line. I don't disagree that if you were going to say Morgan Frost does not make this team and does not get to start the year as the second-line center or third-line center or whatever, I do not agree that... Like that Scott Lawton was the only option, but I do agree it probably is the best. I don't yeah. I don't know what you're I think you're sacrificing too much by moving Drew back. And I right. saw that suggestion a lot. But I think you're sacrificing too much by moving Claude Drew back. And let's let's be real about something as we record this, because the last couple of weeks we've done the nighttime record after Sunday and things like that. I am not going to put it past this team 
in the next couple of days, potentially, to not be looking at waivers. So if if there's a possibility, we could end up recording the show and getting that late news drop that is, well, guess what? Because, by the way, I don't know if you'd realize this. I found this out earlier this week. I did not know this was a thing. The waiver wire is now at 2 o'clock, not 12 noon. I thought it was always at 2. Was it at 2 last year? No, it was noon. Oh, okay. Well, then that's and new. It, and it, it's been new, noon for a little bit because it was always wait for noon to see who clears, wait for noon to see who's on waivers, okay. and now it's 2 o'clock. Hmm, interesting. Which, which a lot of people, I've seen a couple people who go, I can't stand this because, and I feel like I know, look, do I think I know the reason? Absolutely I do because for all of our friends Maybe friends and listeners on the West Coast. I don't know where you're listening from, but if you're on listening on the West Coast, we thank you for it. Uh, Certainly. If you're out there, like if you're out there in Vancouver and you wake up at 7 a.m. in your time, it's already 10 a.m. And you have two hours until the waiver wire hits, and you're just kind of getting started with your workday. So two is a little bit more realistic because it's 11 a.m. Pacific time. Right. It makes it a little bit more realistic for people to kind of get through have a morning beforehand well and to make these decisions i think especially day of because sometimes teams are waking up after a preseason game going you know what the night before we watched the game we watched the game again and stayed up until 2 a.m making these decisions and now we want to have time to sleep on it and wake up again and say is that really the right choice if there was any discussion left on said player i think that's what it is i don't know doesn't make a difference. All I'm trying to sit there and say is, is that I don't know. Maybe at 2 o'clock they do put put a claim in. And it's really funny because I, I had said last week before we wrapped the show, I ended up going on the OMB podcast last week, and I did get asked, is there any chance they would make another roster move? I did not think through this avenue potentially, but this actually I wouldn't put it past them. Like I would have the, the space to make a waiver claim at this point? Yes. At oh, the I begin- guess Kevin Hayes' money will be off, right? Bingo. Okay. Exactly. That makes and- sense. And and if you really want to be technical about it, if you will, they could pick up two guys I saw that were getting – or not two guys that were getting discussion. One guy I saw getting discussion and one guy whose name I saw that I'd said, not a centerman, but a guy who I wouldn't hesitate to consider. And there's a reason, and I'll go into it. But Logan Brown is on, and I saw a lot of people discussing his name, and he is he is a – I cap. do not hate that. And he's a cap minimum player because he's a young player. So he yep. makes $750,000. Former thing- first round pick or early yeah. second round pick? First rounder, 11th overall. 11th overall. Okay. I knew, he, I knew he was picked early for sure. So now here's the catch with that, though. I don't know what kind of message that sends to the guy you just sent down if you claim a guy who was an 11th overall pick in 2016. And promise him a roster versus, swap. Versus a 27th overall pick in 2017. What is right. the difference? You know, like, I, I would just play with Morgan Frost at that point and move forward if that's really where things are. I saw, instead of, because the only other forward that's left, the two forwards that are basically left with Morgan Frost being sent down are Jackson Cates and Garrett Wilson. And here's the catch with this. Garrett Wilson does not have a contract. He actually oh, okay. played. He actually played pretty well in Friday's game, by the way, because he gets sure. into a, he gets into a fight. He's moving around. His he name was his called. His, his name was called multiple times in terms of yes, playing his role. Now he's he he's on that fourth line that got caught on the ice for a goal, but that's but, gonna happen. A give and take. He stood up for he stood up for a teammate or he stood up for himself when he laid a hit on somebody. So he knew something was coming. He's able to stand up for himself and fight. He played his role 
fairly well, all things considered. He definitely had, for the final preseason game, looking for an NHL two-way contract here, he had a noticeable game. I think they like him. I think that he probably, like, uh, that's actually the roster move I think that's really coming, is I think sometimes sometime the next day is, here's the NHL contract, or the two-way contract. He's on the NHL roster now. He's not on the tryout anymore. Okay. That's what I think is coming. But... There's another name that hit the waiver wire who makes just a little bit more than a million dollars. He makes like 1.3, which again, starting Kevin Hayes on say IR takes care it of gives that. Gives you plenty of time, right? You can always wave him. It's fine. There's plenty well, of you ways can, to get you, out of it. You could wave. Well, you could wave him, or you could wave say Nick Abe Kubel. Oh no. Like I, I hear you, but you know what I'm saying. Like you could wave a guy like that and say he's gonna get bumped because that's where we are. You know what I mean? Okay, hit me with this name. Chris Wagner. Okay. Because Boston put him on waivers the other like the other day yesterday and I just see a guy and by the way another one of these Boston type guys who Kevin Hayes knows he was hanging out with Kevin Hayes during the early parts of the pandemic like bring your friends to Philly. He'd make a nice little third line center while you're waiting for Kevin Hayes to come back. Derek Broussard slides. I don't think up, he's a center know. though. I think he's a left winger. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah, he, but well, either but, way, he slots in for Lawton on would, that wing. You know, and put right. him wherever you want. Right. And he's and he slots in for Lawton in a way where he's not. You're not sacrificing speed. I would say like he moves better than anybody else they have on that fourth line at the moment. Uh, not saying a ton. No, but I think like. He, do we just want to put JVR on that ice on that line and call it the quicksand line? Nah, you can't do that though because of the fact that I mean, first of all, then you're really slow. And yeah, that's why you call it the quicksand line because everybody looks like they're skating through quicksand. But can I go back to Morgan Frost for a second because this was something that I wanted to say because we could, we both had something, at least one thing. I had two, which we'll yeah. get this one way later because it's it's so minor compared to the actual roster of the team. People were acting when Morgan Frost got sent down, and I understand. Morgan Frost came into camp with an opportunity. Kevin Hayes is not going to play for the first six weeks, not of the season, but from the start of training camp, six weeks It looks like a big, bright audition. It does. And now, look, bright side of the end of this little six-week thing, Kevin Hayes skated on Saturday with the rehab group. Fantastic. That's That's great. Your season is still... As we sit here five days away from starting and he's out skating with a rehab group, he's not going to play in the month of October, but you're trying to target potentially like that early November stage if possible. And if he's skating now, you can at least leave that possibility on the table. I don't know if that means he's going to be back. I also would like to, you know, full disclosure, I don't think I don't know how fully effective he's going to be. Right away. It's not an easy injury to come back from. And you really need to tread lightly on that because of the fact that before you get a guy who is just kind of washed for the season because you re-aggravate it and play through it. And sometimes you can try to play through it and never be the same, to be honest. Right. We've seen that do it. We've seen that a lot. I'd rather Kevin Hayes in year three of a seven year contract not be good enough this particular year and not be as healthy but not further injure himself to have a full off season and come back and be ready. How many times did we beg Wayne Simmons to go get surgery, heal up, get better, feel better, and not just play broken all season? How many years in a row did this happen to Claude Giroux? I mean, it's yep. it, it's the, it's the gen, it's the generic way of saying the abdominal injury, right? Yep. Like 
you get that in you get that surgery done and even if you get the surgery done or not when you do in an off season you're never really as fully effective as you would have been right and that's a little scary to think about because the fact now listen Kevin Hayes at 70% is probably going to be better than Morgan Frost at 100% right now especially probably. trying to come back from an injury but this is kind of the reverse of what we usually have happen. Instead of not having the news when we record the show, we do have this in time. So the night before we sat down to do this, Morgan Frost goes and plays a preseason game. And I get his preseason in the AHL, but he has two goals and one assist, which is exactly what they wanted to see. Yep. So, and there were, you know what? There were cryptic little, cryptic little lines dropped by some players. Like in the sense that like there were players sitting here saying, we just told him go down, do his thing. We'll see him back here before you know. One of them, who, who said it yesterday? I'm trying to remember which players they even gave. Maybe it was Cam Atkinson who said it, who goes, he'll be back in, and in the top six. So okay. that's a, that doesn't just say, oh, he's, he'll be back soon, you know, a la the Joel Farabee route. That's, is, is there a chance that they just sent him down to play a couple of AHL preseason games and he gets called up before Friday? I, I Look, I guess there's always that chance because they've – I wonder how much, uh, truthfully, this is a, a thing. I wonder how much cap space they have if they, I mean. If they have to squeeze it. Well, the problem is, is that, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess at that point you wouldn't give Wilson a contract, but they need to know that answer by. Well, and like by you said, Monday. once once they hit day one, they get the LTIR space from Hayes. Well, I don't know if Hayes, see, that's the other thing. I don't know if Hayes is going on LTIR. Uh, he, he might just go on. Like he he might just be an IR type player because LTIR kind of it immediately takes the first ten games out of play. Yeah, but was he going to play in the first ten games anyway? I it was nine to ten, but what happens if it's not nine to ten and it's eight? That's okay. Like what you're going to say? I mean, you just kind of take that risk in Tampa Bay, don't you? The, the, well, the other I know, but the other <laughs> I hear what you're saying. The other thing I look. The other thing I would say is, is that like, listen, Garrett Wilson doesn't make this team if not for the Kevin Hayes injury right now. So. That's fair. So whether you give him a contract or whether you don't, I don't think it makes that much of a difference because of the fact that he's going to be the first guy to go whenever Kevin Hayes is ready, and then you can bump Scott Lawton back. And, like, the, the only reason – yeah, like, because it would still work the same way because right now you're replacing Kevin Hayes with Scott Lawton, not Morgan Frost. That was right. the difference. So if that's the case, then I don't see how – I don't see how, if you were ready to bring Morgan Frost back, the first guy that goes isn't Garrett Wilson. And Frost comes back and reassumes a role in the middle six, and you go from there. And that being said, now let me get to the beef that I had with this, because okay. I'm, so like, I'm sorry, but the reactions that I saw to this made it sound like Morgan Frost was Wayne Gretzky getting cut. <laughs> like, come on. Like, the kid played okay. He didn't stand out well enough in any of those preseason games to give you the sense that he was ready to take that jump. Now he goes to the minors and plays like that. Now you're going to have to take notice. It's just a question of where he plays. And I get it. I, I, I need to go back and pull up the exact number because I get it. It's five years post-draft. People are now starting to think, it's been five years since you drafted him. Why isn't he ready? Why isn't he in the NHL? I saw a comment that came through, something that said he might never play in the NHL at that point. Which, by the way, joke's on you. He's already played in the NHL, technically. I he mean, just, I think that, yeah, right. I, I think he, he meant as a regular. I know, but I'm saying, like, I'm sure. your jump, I don't see, 
it still doesn't make any sense to me. So let me go and pull up something really quick because I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was cool to give up on players when they have 22 games of NHL experience. And hold on. Wait a minute. How much, how much time has he played in the AHL while we're at it? Oh, wait. That number is only like 41 games. Right. So you've played 41 games. So you've played 63 games, 64 games professionally in your entire career, and that means you're not good enough to play professionally, period? Like, knock it off of that. I mean, he, he got drafted, and he played two of the best years of his life because they made him a plus-one, plus-two prospect in the OHL. Right. So you like you had to fess up right there that you gave up two more years of him to play at that level. No other level. He can't play at the AHL. Like, or he can after that, I obviously, but not when his team's making Memorial Cup runs. Right, and why the, would he? And, and the Phantoms are not making AHL playoff runs. Right. So what's going to happen? He's going to play in. He's going to go for the Memorial Cup. He's going to play at the junior level until his season's over. And then, oh wait, there's no pro team to go play for because he's not going to the Flyers right away. Oh well, season's over. Now you train. Has he taken that step? No, he hasn't. But that was supposed to be what last year was for. And there's no doubt in my mind that if he's a healthy player in March when everything's going off the rails, he's playing. I think this fan base is a little scarred by Nolan Patrick, the ghost of Nolan Patrick. <laughs> well, yeah, down to the draft here because I had somebody tweet at me, with all due respect here, tweet at me and say that they've missed on three 2017 picks, and I wanted to know who the third one was because I'm sitting here going, obviously you're referring to Frost right now because Frost just got sent down. You're referring to Nolan Patrick getting traded in the offseason, but who exactly is the third pick? That we're talking oh, by about. the way, the Nolan Patrick trade helped you get Ryan Ellis, but whatever. <laughs> For real. Get Ryan Ellis, who, by the way, like, listen, who's done what? Made one mistake in the playoffs? Right. I'm, I'm sorry, or preseason? I'm sorry, made two because you got scored on on a, uh, on a power play where he took the penalty. And there was one penalty he took in that game, by the way, that was a little bogus because he's using his stick to protect himself. And they called a cross check or a, a roughing or whatever. <laughs> right. So, otherwise, he made one mistake. He didn't get a shot through and got caught up in the offensive zone. Right. And it's a two-on-one, and they scored off of it. But if that's the only thing I can pull, come on, you know? Right. With 2017 drafts, you got right the Nolan Patrick. But I just think you're looking at the – we're looking at the Morgan Frost situation, and we see a guy who was hurt and has a couple of injury, I don't want to call them injury problems because he's so young and they're not recurring enough to call them an injury problem, but you know what I'm saying. There's some concern there. The concern is legitimate to to a point because of the fact that I always can't stand or I, or I view a guy as injury prone to an extent when you sit there and go, oh, he did something to his leg again. And I, okay. a leg, leg meaning, oh, tweaked a groin, pulled a hamstring, Something and that like brings, that, and, you know, like Sam Moran. With I was going to say, and that brings me to Sam Moran, another fairly recent first round draft pick that people are kind of starting to look like a bad pick. Type well, thing. Be, because there's a difference between every time you turn around, he tweaked his knee in some way. It's a motion thing. You moved in a certain way. Getting hit and then finding out you have a, you know, a bad shoulder and need surgery and your season's over is not the same thing. He took I a understand. hit. He took a hit. It's not he didn't say I'm going to go into this battle in the corner or behind the net 
and get hit on purpose to hurt my shoulder. He's of doing course. what he's he's trying to play the game. It's it's phys, it's a physical game. End of story. I mean, if you want to go anywhere from that, ask Washington today, who gave an update just recently, by the way. So I will say what happened, but to and bring it full circle anyway. But ask Washington, who watched their captain and leading scorer Alex Ovechkin go off the ice with an injury for trying to deliver a hit, not getting hit. Right. He was delivering a hit in that spot and it would have been a perfectly fine hit like it wasn't like it was an illegal hit but he delivers a hit and he goes to get up and his and all of a sudden uh-oh there's something wrong with his leg he's not putting any weight on his left leg uh-oh he's limping really badly uh-oh this is the last game before the preseason and their next game is what thursday also wednesday? i'm not 100% sure on how clean that hit was it was a little in the numbers for my personal liking it's very, it's very close. To, it was very close to the new cross check. Yes. I was gonna say I'm not gonna jump all over it. I'm not saying it was filthy, but it was well, a little well, more borderline than I think well, you're saying. Ovechkin got a penalty against Boston in an earlier preseason game for that very same type of hit delivery. So, but it doesn't mean he, he learned a lesson. Alexander Ovechkin doesn't. They're learn not his going lessons. to learn. You think they're gonna learn a lesson from this? It's gonna be about a month, and then they're gonna. See Alexander Ovechkin from. looks at a one-game suspension as a treat. Well, he didn't get suspended. Let's let's not make, let's not go that. I far. just mean in the past he has gotten suspended a game here a game right. there for hits and that's he just not, treats it like a vacation. That's not here or there anyway. It's, um, so he goes off the ice though and he's he's done for the game. Which okay, that's not surprising. There's concern. Because, well, there's concern because he can't come back. It's not and surprising. It's it's yeah. also not surprising because it's the last game of your preseason and you're going. He could have. He could have Any, anything gets him the rest of the game right. off. He could have bruised his knuckles fighting somebody and they would have said, don't come back because we're not letting you take a chance at this point. Yep. You know, like it, he could have had a hangnail. Right. Exactly. And, you know, it, it, it's little things like that. So he doesn't come back. I wasn't surprised by that. They just put out he did. He's not practicing today. They're calling it day to day. So it's no timeline that's really significant, but it's also he's not able to practice. He's not necessarily going to be 100% for the first night of the season, which is not what you want to say. Quite possibly. But that's that's where you're at, right? Like it's – but I'm say, like what I'm saying from that is, is that that's not like – that that's an injury that it happens in the course of a game. Like stuff happens. It's a physical game. Sometimes you go to lay a hit and you get hurt. Where you get hit and get hurt. It's just it, it, that possibility always exists and it exists for every player. But it's not like Morgan Frost went out there and said, gee, you know, it's only two games into a season where I could have a really big role because guys are going to be going up left and right. The, everything with COVID the way it was where you could have a guy, a guy on the list for a day. So it means you have to call somebody up. That could always be your chance to stick in the lineup. You have one good game. They say, well, we're going to scratch somebody else next game. Right. Even if that guy's able to come back. And he goes and he gets hit and his shoulder's done for and he goes out with surgery. For, he has surgery and he's done for the season. It happens sometimes. So a guy who was part of the picture in, in a season where you eventually built enough success that you traded for two people who took him out of the equation for the rest of the season, he's not able to play as of March because the whole world shuts down. The league shuts down. No, there's nothing going on. And it leads to we're not going to be able to have playoffs until – Midsummer, almost late summer, so it's July and August that you're really getting back into the swing of things. And on top of it, in the meantime, we've canceled the rest of the AHL season. It's over. Right. There's, There's nowhere no else minor, to go. There's no minor leagues, so you're just skating around aimlessly in practice, and that's all you can do. Then you have the next season. It's going to be a shortened season. We're going to start in January. We're going to 
have guys up and down probably because there's back-to-backs all over the place and three and fours and five and five and sevens and crazy stuff like that or whatever, right? Five and eights, four and sixes, you name it, all over the place. And he plays two games and gets hurt. Yep. And the season's over. Two games, four games into the season collectively, and you've got 52 games left as a team and he can't play in any of them because he's done. Yeah, just supremely unfortunate. So... Call me crazy, but a guy who's only played two games in 18 months might not look quite ready in the preseason of the first season he's actually able to play. Well, and that's why I wonder if maybe there's some truth to the go get some AHL games to blow off the rust a little bit, go dominate a little bit. And get your timing down and play like a player who has the offensive skill set. Let me make it clear off of this preseason. Morgan Frost played perfectly well defensively. He actually played as responsible as you would want him to play in the role that they were trying to get him to have. But he cannot be a completely invisible player at five on five and and offensively. And aside from a really nice play made by Oscar Lindblom to get him the puck in the slot with a good scoring chance, and he and he was not able to score. Aside from that and one fake shootout goal because the shootout was just done for practice he did not show up on the offensive side of the game. And that's the area where the balance needs to be found. He very much, and he's not the same type of player, so I'm not trying to call him, make a comparison here. But this, it feels like Sean Couturier again. Like, he's got the defensive part of his game, not down, but he kind of has it He's pretty good at it. Like, he's focusing more on it. Like, he had a play in practice where he got beat to the net in a scrimmage by Elliot Desnoyers. Now, with all due respect, because Desnoyers had also played in a preseason game and had a really nice showing where he was actually a standout. You don't want your potential second line center getting beat by a guy who's going back to the Quebec major junior hockey league in a couple days. That's the problem, right? So I'm not calling him perfect defensively. What I am saying though, is that what happens when you know that that's such an important part of your game and also probably what the coaching staff is emphasizing. You're a team that gave up more goals than anybody last year, basically. Why not put the focus on, like, why every player is going to be told, we need to keep the puck out of our net. If you're a young player at 22 years old, and that was a big deal, you're going to put the emphasis on, I need to be better in my own zone first, and then I'll try to score when the opportunity arises. He just doesn't create it that often at the NHL level. And that's where the timing might be off. That's where a little bit of time to build confidence. He's he, It's got Joel Farabee from two years ago written all over it. You're not ready at the start of the year. Go down, keep playing at a high level, and we'll see you back here in no time. And that no time could be, I don't know, the first game of November when they're back home after a Western Canada trip against Arizona. Oh, no. See, I was thinking I think there's a chance he joins the team on that trip. Four games in? Yep. Because... Because you have it. three days off after that Florida game. You got plenty of time to bring him up, give him a practice before you head out to the West Coast. There's only one reason I don't think that's the case, and I will be able to give you a reason in about, like, I need a second to pull up the schedule just to see because it's not a schedule I look at every second. Are they not day. practicing? No, it's, um, all right, so next weekend is, by next weekend also happens to be when the Phantom schedule starts. Oh, the Phantom season, okay. So he's going to play two games, and then, so that, I mean, he has by the time they would get to Monday of that week. Some time that you're off. talking about, well, no, 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 he has, he has four games in the books in the, with the Phantoms, too. 
Uh, how much time did Joel Farabee have in the with the Phantoms? I thought it was something I, like six. I believe it was four. Maybe it was four. I believe it was, it was four points in four games. And and you know what? Up. You know it, it might have been four Phantoms games, and I think the Flyers had played five or six by that point, and then right. he was up. Yeah. Um. So I, look, I don't look. I don't know how long it's going to be. I'm not trying to sit here and say that he won't be back. He'll be back at some point. The question is, is he back? Really early on, is he back? Is he even back because of the absence of Kevin Hayes, or is he just yeah. back because he impresses enough? And they go, "We need this guy in the lineup." Look, you everybody should be ecstatic if he comes in and they think he's second line center quality, and then he runs with the opportunity. Then, and when Kevin Hayes comes back, you go third line. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be fantastic. Because then that's real depth. Like right now, that's the biggest concern outside that gets of Nate Thompson out of your lineup. I don't know if it does. You don't that gets Derek Broussard out of your lineup? No, I think they moved Derek Broussard to the wing at that point. No, I'd rather just move him down and get Thompson out altogether. I think if there's going to be a guy on that fourth line that comes out, it's all Baker Bell. I mean, I'm also fine with that. But Well, listen, we've talked about the past a little bit here. We've talked about the recent past with the preseason and Morgan Frost's recent injury past. Let's right. dip a little further into the past and talk about the Flyers Hall of Fame. Okay. Uh, because well, there they are. We're yeah. we're we're pulling the bandaid right off. So, the reveal. so if you're watching on our YouTube channel, search YWT podcast on YouTube, then you'll notice that we have a banner on the screen. It says Holmgren Tockett and to be inducted into Flyers Hall of Fame. Now, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, is there possibly, maybe, potentially a name missing from that list? I don't know. You tell me. This Will Nolan. I'm sorry for the mic pop, but Lou Nolan, hello? The man I, who's I, been your in-house announcer since 1971-72? The man who has been with the organization longer than anybody? The only remaining remnant from the Broad Street Bullies days from the Spectrum from... I, <laughs> hello? Well, that wasn't the only name on the list that was from the Broad Street Bullies days, so let's not say that. I but. know, but... It, All right. Come on, man. The only guy who's still... Uh, <sighs> Let's remember all six all six finalists were worthy. I yeah, and I'm not denying, I'm not taking away from the people who were there. But wh why? <laughs> I would personally if you're a voter, if you're a voter and you and you put your ballot in and you did not check off Lou Nolan's name. Wh why? Yeah, why? I hear you. Listen, there's I don't know. I look. I don't know how the voting process completely works. Okay. I know that it goes to multiple people. I know that it is. It's not. It's not as simple as hey media, you pick it. Like it's alumni pick it. Previous Hall of Famers. There's a whole progression of people who the whole Flyers nepotism this. club. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. I, um, listen, Lou's not one of the boys. It's not that, though. But was, Holmgren in the, was Holmgren in the locker room? Yes, he was. Was talking in the locker room? Yes, he was. Is Lou Nolan in the locker room? I don't think so. I don't think that's the reason why people didn't – why he's not in, though. I don't get it, man. I, no, the thing that the, – here's the thing that I think where, where the theory is a little bit different. They're, they're two of the same type of player. That, and that not, is true. And, and you're not having two separate nights to dif differentiate. Like no, when you not. like there was a difference between like think about this for a minute. There's a difference between when you induct John LeClair and Eric Lindros and then induct Eric Desjardins later in the year. 
There's a difference between when you induct Rod Brindamore and then induct Jimmy Watson. Whether it's difference in era, difference in position, difference in style of play, doesn't matter. There's a difference. And the reason you induct people like Lindros and LeClaire together is because there's a bond there. They, there's a sim- they share a common a commonality, whether it's line mates, whether it's they played in the same era, they were teammates. I mean, on that, that sense, you could have done Desjardins at the same time because there was a, a link they there. They probably should have done Desjardins at the same time. But. Not it didn't make sense though because it was there was a dy- there was a dynamic duo effect to Lindros Leclerc. That's why these are, they're the same type of player. And if you're only going to do one night, the only other common thread you could have found was to basically, like we said, if you put Paul Holmgren with Bob Kelly, right, and say they're both from that. It's the bullies. It's, the, it's right. the bullies still kind of exactly. And Tockett was more mid eighties. Also, we, we kind of touched on it when we talked about the nominees for this. Um, do you think this keeps Bob Kelly out, or is he back on the ballot next time they decide to do this? Like, Do you think they do actually just close the chapter on the bully days and move on from this? Because this is kind of one of the scenarios we talked about. No, because he's probably the leading candidate now when it comes back around because of the fact that, again, how do you ignore— if you're, if you're let's, let's be real. Paul Holmgren was a lock to make this because— Everything like just think about how everything's stacked up. A guy who's been in the organization for over forty years, who's had every position possible, from being a player to an assistant coach to a coach to an assistant general manager to general manager to senior advisor, in between that scouting and all that stuff, he's done it all. To the point where he's literally a semi retired member of the organization who hangs around on occasion as an advisor. But he sure does. Okay. But on top of it, when the when in the last month when the nominees and he's a finalist come out for this, and oh, by the way, he's being inducted into the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame this year, too. Do you think that he wasn't going to get into the Flyers Hall of Fame as a result of that? Absolutely. Yeah, I know. That one made all the sense in the world. And I get it. There's people who look and see his name and probably just think of the GM days. Honestly, I'm a, I'm a little more surprised on Tockett. I was too because of the fact that I thought what you were going to try to do was find a common thread with the era more than like I don't look I don't know like I don't remember here, truthfully I don't remember the induction like the nomination process and the voting process without knowing the actual results of the voting being so public like right. they announced finalists and that made people like that almost made you think that like I'm like to an extent you're almost surprised that it wasn't put to a fan vote as part of it, like because of the fact that you go, why do, why would he, anybody even know that? Sometimes they like I I if right, I just release the names right. If I remember correctly, when it was the last four that I can remember, which I've been to all, you know, lucky for me because they do these ceremonies so well every time. I've been to all pretty much all of them. Nice that you go when they just announced Lindros Leclerc. They just announced Lindros press Leclerc. release, Holmgren Tocket, right. boom, right. They just announced it. Hey, by the way, we're adding a Hall of Fame. The only other thing they would typically do is say, "Hey, by the way, we're they're they're probably adding to the Hall of Fame this year." You get a right. report like that, and then you would go, "Oh, here they are. Here's who's going in." And then sometimes and you hear like what the night is going to be, right? <laughs> like what game it's going to be. By, which, by the way, for this one, it's going to be November 16th against Calgary. So, which sure. I kind of which I kind of like, by the way, nice and early. Hit it, hit it, hit us early in the year with it. They've done some of these in February and, and like near March. Little surprised they didn't go for Pittsburgh because that's where Tockett won a ring. Did he um, win a ring? Yes. I'm kind of surprised they didn't they didn't toss that at him. The only reason I can th- well, 
Tockett's going to be a little different, though, because obviously the first thing you do is cater the ceremony around your inductees, and Tockett has a new gig. So if Tockett's trying to find a night where TNT's not a night, you're looking for the off night. And not only that, but in addition to the induction ceremony on before the game on that night, they announced an alumni game coached by Team Holm, you know, Team Holmgren, Team Tockett, which are also well done, and that's the night before the game. I mean, I'm pretty sure TNT would give Tockett the night off to get inducted into the Hall of Fame. I agree. I'm saying I think like I'm saying that <laughs> yeah, I don't think it really matters what night if you know the Flyers could have picked a game if they wanted. I'm saying I don't know if there was a good night for them to pick a Pittsburgh game with that right. in mind. It's not a matter of hey, you can't get any night off, but if you're looking to be specific about what team, especially when they only come to town twice a year now or like roughly, like this isn't last year where Pittsburgh played here all the time. That's you true. Got, one of the games is in January, like early January, so maybe that's just not a good time for somebody. And then they don't play again against Pittsburgh on at home until us. As you see, this is why I think they would avoid this one. They like these weeknight kind of things for these because it draws a crowd. When weekends when, always draw a crowd. That's fair. Right? And to so be you're frank, playing Pittsburgh always draws a crowd. So you're, you're right. So you're playing Pittsburgh on a Sunday afternoon in April in the final week of the season. I don't think oh, that game's final, already sold out. But I don't think you're gonna in the final week of the season on a Sunday afternoon say, "Let's by the way have that induction ceremony." Right, because that game's already sold out. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, beyond the point, I hear you. I think that Lou Nolan should go in eventually. I think that the other names on the list are also probably eventually going to find their way in because Bob Kelly's in the same vein as Paul Holmgren with the longevity of being around the organization. Yeah. Lou Nolan has that longevity and, and is a fan favorite. Everybody loves Lou Nolan, that kind of thing. And then you go further into it with the other players that were on the list, you know, beyond that. I'm trying to remember. I'm, I'm actually there's one that's escaping my mind. I know Simone Gagne was on there, and Simone Gagne, by the way, will get in eventually. I just think. Oh, oh yeah. Mark, they just uh, haven't Mark, gotten into that Mark era Recchi. yet. That's who it was. Mark Recchi, which I, again, I, I think it's actually kind of a crime that Mark Recchi has played, you know, played ten years in the organization. As much as he didn't, he didn't win with them. I get that, and he won three Stanley Cups elsewhere. But he played for ten years within the organization, and is a he's hall a legitimate of legitimate NHL legend. Right? And he's a hockey hall of famer. Right. You don't think like you don't think the Penguins Hall of Fame would put him in? I, mean, I get it. You want to cup with them, but that's beside the point. Like, he's a hockey Hall of Famer. Yeah, and he will probably get in. I I don't know why Mark Recchi hasn't gotten gotten in yet, but either I, way, I I appreciate them doing two of them this year because of the fact that sure. I think there because there were so many people, there were enough people that you could have said. You got to do this, you know, like you have to do multiples, especially when you haven't done one of these in five years. And I look, I, I don't think they would have waited five years if not for. They there were no plans in 2019, 20 to do it. And then 2020 comes in. Everything gets shortened. You have to you're lucky you're even having a season in that sense. You know, so there wasn't going to be one last year because it's it's a fan event. You're not doing it for for no, just yourselves it's for an a fan empty house. Event. So now that everybody imagine a, a banner getting raised in an empty building, that'd be weird. That would be like a chilling sight, man. I don't know, man. I don't like that. <laughs> right. And it's like it's it's been funny too cuz speaking of which, the banner is gone, by the way. The banner that the names are being added to. Oh, is, is it? Is, it's is off getting gone. getting its additions. If I'm not mistaken, and I don't think you can see it from my pictures when I put because I usually post a picture when I get to a game. I don't think you can see it, but in the picture. But 
there I think there's only three Hall of Fame banners there right now. And one Oh no, you know what? You might be able to actually. I just pulled it up to look. So the most recent banner, if I'm able to zoom in on this, I don't think I can, of course. Oh no, there it goes. I think the most recent one is like when Ron Hextall and Dave Schultz got in. So Lindros LeClaire, Desjardins, Brenda Moore, Jimmy Watson, their names are gone for the moment from the rafters because they are, I think, in the process of and now that makes home good and talk it. But I think that makes sense because in, on one hand, I'm sitting there going, well, why would they take the banner down so early? This is like last pre, even as of the last preseason game, we did, we did not right, know. Especially because you have those four games at home and then you go to Western Canada. Like, just take it down then. You're gone for a while. Except, well, I don't know how long it takes them to really do that type of stuff or to really do right. it the way they want it to or whatever. But it's only, I mean, they play four games at home right away and then you're only playing two more at home in November before you get to this game at home. So that says a lot to me. All right, so we've talked about the Hall of Fame. I think that's enough of the past. What do you say we turn our attention to the future? <laughs> the preview or this stupid thing underneath of this? Okay, well, let's blow through this real quick. Can we just skip this goal song thing? Because honestly, I'm going to say something. This may or may not be unpopular. Go ahead. All three songs kind of suck as goal okay. songs. Okay, I'll say, that. how about this? This is what I'm going to say. It's a goal song, right? Okay. Yeah. Nobody should care that much what the That's song is. That's also fair. Here's why, okay? How did you feel? I'm going to throw it to you as a question. How did you feel about Feel the Shake? Medium. Okay, fine. Do you come to accept it, though, when your team goes out and scores six goals, six goals a night in some cases? When, like, when sorry, if, I, I went to a game in 1920 in the shortened season. The, the Toronto game where you score on the empty net and then you score two more on Frederick Anderson just afterward right. and you end up winning, I think, 6-2. And every single time, <sighs> what played? I, uh, I was having a good time by the end of that one. My point is is that if your team is successful in scoring goals, the song is the song. Okay? Yes. Like, and, you're, and it's going to trigger serotonin because team goal song. Good. Right, but like... <laughs> I'm not a believer in, especially for people who hate the old, like, it's funny. There's people out there who can't stand the, the and very stereotypically use, like, the Flyers as the biggest example of the the brotherhood, the the history matters so much thing. And it does. Like, I, I say it, there's a respectable history in this franchise, not saying there's not. But if you're that type of person who goes, well, they, uh, they're too much in the past, it's always back to the broad street bullies and things like that but you want to go back to dupe as your goal song then stop living in the past yourself like you're yeah, that's over like move stop on trying to make dupe happen and move on from everything like do something different do something new but at the same time whether you like these songs whether you don't it doesn't matter like they suck. There, there were a couple of options they played multiple options during the preseason the very last game against Boston, they only scored two goals. They might have been the best two candidates, in my opinion. Okay, what did they play? I wasn't paying super close attention to um, that. They played, whoop, there it is. Oh, which, yeah. Which they did oh, for, yeah. Which they did for a Couturier goal, by the way. So everybody who does the, you know, because Kevin Hayes in the hallway going, coots, there it is. Oh, yeah. They did that, and it did fit really well. And then they played this remixed version. That there was, there was, okay. So a lot of people who are slightly older than I am in the press. Oh, project. you're gonna! I know what you're gonna hit me with. Okay. What, what yep. is it? Is so it gonna is, be? Is it the six ABC theme song? 
No. Oh, because I want the Action News theme song, because that would be it. No, 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 Have no. Have you it heard was, that? That would no, be an incredible no, no, no. ball song. It is It is a remixed song, so it's kind of a techno-y kind of song okay. that samples a song from the 80s that everybody else really recognizes and go, oh, it's that. And then you realize, no, wait, that's not the actual song they played. It okay. just sounds like it because it sampled it. So it's called the song is called Call On Me. It's, okay. It, if you, it, nobody knows it by name. What's the sample? It, the Does sample it matter? Is, the sample is a Steve Winwood song called Valerie. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. You know what it is now. Yep. It, it, nobody knows it by name. If to hear it, you know it. It I actually know, yeah. sounded cool. It actually worked. Okay. <laughs> it had the right beat. It had the right cadence to it. It had the right go energy kind of like thing. They played another one too. Like there's one of like, what was the one that I heard earlier? Like out of I will the say, just on a note, I will say if you haven't heard that action theme song, uh, techno remix, I'll send it to you. Oh, it's oh, very the... good. Big I know, nostalgia. I, I know what you're talking about because they, they did it as part of their warm-ups one time. Oh, love it. That shout would be a good – that would be a out, goal song, man. Shout out DJ Reed Streets who is who kills it usually during during games because he does have a nice selection of music. Yeah, shout he's out. solid. So – All right. Let's get let's get through goal songs and get to hockey. He's, he's not in charge of the goal song, by the way. He just pushes the button. Right. I know. <laughs> All right, let's just get into a full-blown season preview here. What uh, it's it's going to be fairly brief. Um, uh, we, yeah, we probably got about ten minutes where we're gonna. Yeah. What are you thinking about this team, kind of overall? We don't have to go into predictions just yet. We will this get is, there. We do have a tab for that. This is where you had me at the beginning of the show, almost saying what I didn't want to say at the beginning of the show. Yeah. I wanted to hold it until now. This is not a good answer for somebody like me because. I'm supposed to give you an answer to that question. What do we think, right? My answer is I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to think about this team. Okay, here's what I mean by that. I already kind of felt this way going into the off, going like through the off season as we were coming up on this on the preseason, all that type of stuff. This team in this division could finish second or third and get a guaranteed playoff spot out of the division and they could host the first round playoff their, series host yep. the first round playoff series potentially i mean they could they could also finish seventh and not make the playoffs in a really bad way i mean here here's where i'm at like there's there's not a real rhyme or reason to what they could be yet if there's one positive to take from the preseason so far for all of the feeling out that there is for all of the chemistry building for all of the execution that needs to be worked upon it's this. Even against Washington's best, now Ovechkin goes off the ice early, so yes, you take a guy like that out of the picture. But even for facing basically Washington's full-on roster and having your full-on roster, and they don't have as many changes as you did in the offseason, so they've got a better lineup. More chemistry. Right. Even for that, that was a competitive hockey game. Certainly. You did not, you're not losing games 6-1, to 9 nothing. You know, I'm not trying to break. Oh, I'm not. I know. I, I'm saying that's what you need to ask for at the beginning. Is you may win some, you may lose some, especially early in the year while you're still building that chemistry, working on getting used to new faces. But if you're not losing games badly, like two years ago, they played a couple games that were competitive in the early going, but there was also a game they played, I think, against Pittsburgh in that year that where they lost seven to one. Yeah. And it's miserable from the second that the game starts. But by the end of the regular season before the bu bubble playoffs you're losing games two to nothing to boston or you're losing games 
three to two. Three one, right? Like, nice You're, tight competitive game. Three one games with an empty. You just want to be. Right. You just want to be in the game. I would not be surprised. You honestly should uh, uh, seven games in in October. If you can win four of them, you're off to a decent start already. Yeah, absolutely. Because and, in the because for two reasons, consider first of all consider the fact that the preseason games that the Flyers played came against three Eastern Conference opponents that you know going in are probably at least on paper better than you. Yeah, you're, probably. You're, you are playing a team, one of the teams that should be. It's not competitive. Boston's always good. Let's just clear that up right now. Whether they have Tuka Rask, whether David Krejci left and went to Czech Republic to play in front of his home, you know, his home country, his family, all that stuff, doesn't matter. They're a good team. They're always a good team. And it's just the way it is. Right. And then go to the Islanders. The Islanders, in my opinion, there's a reason why I did not say the Flyers could win this division. Because it's... It's yeah. going to be a crime if that team does not win the division this year. You're probably right. That's that's the next thing. And then Washington is still Washington when they play a preseason game should not have issues because of the fact that they should all be relatively familiar with each other. Right. There's not a ton of changes to that team year after year. They're pretty there's low turnover. So when so you know if you're not playing perfectly with Two, three new forwards in your lineup. If you, you know, three if you want to count Nate Thompson, four if you want to count Garrett Wilson, um, in the grand scheme of things, and three new defensemen and a new goalie in the at the back end. You know, forgive me if your expectations in the preseason were higher. You know, and expecting to be near perfect by the end. They played six preseason games. They dressed a full lineup maybe twice. Right. Like it's not going to be perfect. And maybe the good part to that is you're going to start the year against teams like Vancouver, Seattle, teams that you see twice a year. Yep. I think there's a looseness to playing those teams. Absolutely. As you're opposed not worried to, about protecting as much. As opposed to playing Boston for the first time. Yep. Florida's going to be tough. The West Coast trip, Edmonton's got two really talented players right at the top of the list. Calgary and Vancouver again, maybe a little bit of a different story. Can you... Can you shock the world, if you will, and beat a team like Boston or Florida really early in the year with a lot of new faces? Can you? I think beat you certainly them? can. Possibly, but can you do that and then win some of these other games against teams like Vancouver? You want to win the winnable games. As far as we know, it's a really tough year to even say winnable because there's been so much turnover in the league. Vancouver so, is going to be winnable. It should be. It's going to be. It should be. Right. Exactly. It is winnable. Whether they will win or not, I don't know. But here's here's Van- my season preview in a nutshell. Okay. Okay. I'm going to give you three players. Okay. These three players will determine how this season goes. I'll see if it meshes up with the three that are in my head. Go ahead. The first one, I'm going to get the obvious one out of the way. It's Carter Hart. If he is what he is, then we're good. And if he's not, then we're in trouble. I'm just going to... We all know how I feel about Carter Hart. I'm just going to quick notes cliff notes through him that's fine second number two, number two travis konechny okay i think if travis konechny rebounds to uh, not rebounds if he continues to do what he's been doing if he takes a step forward if he improves if he i think he's got a chance to blow up and become a star in the league playing next to sean couturier and claude Giroux. okay and number three because i think they're going to be just steady and reliable Sure. Number three is Kevin Hayes. 
Okay. And I say Kevin Hayes because I firmly believe that he is the heart and soul of the team. In the locker room, on the bench, on the ice, chirping at other team ref, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If That's Kevin actually- Hayes... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. That's actually a really good way to look at it because, well, for for a couple of reasons. Collectively, given his summer, like, and I say that meaning, obviously, from a personal standpoint, he has something to play for. Yep. He's he's hurting from that from his from his brother, like the loss of his brother. And I but think all, he's gonna throw himself into this team and this band of brothers and. But long before head first into battle. But long before the whole, long before his brother passed away, even toward the end of that off season what was the story before that the funny kind of story oh wait so they traded for cam atkinson who used to play at bc and they got keith yandel and they got Derek brassard who was his teammate in new york and like so the the idea that it was i'm um, like that if, without it really being like that it was look all my friends are here like they almost are building like we said we kind of felt like they were almost building it not around him but they're bringing in guys who have instant chemistry with him let's rewind 24 months right kevin hayes is a new philadelphia flyer takes a little bit of time that team is good solid playing well but at a certain point it clicks right things fall into place kevin gets comfortable we start seeing the mic'd up videos we start (laughs) hearing the i used to ref and the the little clips here and there and that team certainly seemed like they super glued together. Yeah. And we're the best team in hockey going into the pandemic. What did we see last season? We saw poor effort. We saw no chemistry. We saw a team that didn't want to play together. A team that didn't, just didn't do, just weren't being good hockey players. <laughs> like, that's just the simplest way to say it. Yeah. And we hear all about, you know, Elliot Friedman calls it a nightmare year on the most recent 31 thoughts, 32 thoughts. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, he said it was a nightmare year for Philly last year. We hear all about the no team dinners, no practice, you know, no hangouts, no blah, 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 blah. We hear all about the team chemistry issues all over the league. Right. This year. It, it really comes down to if Kevin Hayes comes back. Right. Slots right back into that room. Yeah. And they join as a unit. Man, it really feels like there could be something special in that locker room this year. Well, it's, it's funny you say that, too, because that is one of the positives from the preseason as well, is at the very least, I'm sorry, when was the last time the Flyers had two fights in a game? And in the preseason, in the preseason finale, there's multiple going on. It's been, it's been a the, minute. Like, there, that, at the very least, you can see that. There's a clear bond between, like, in terms of that. Like, hey, these teams really seem to, like, these players seem to really care about each other right off the bat. And that's That's in the absence of Hayes. Right. But that's, well, semi-absence, I'll call it. Wow. He's he's around. He's just not on the ice. The on-ice absence. Right. Right. But that's already a good step because it means that you like each other. It means that you're not letting some, maybe some early hiccups get in the way. You're staying positive. I see... That's why I said if October turns out to be seven games, four wins, let's say, or roughly that, four three and zero is not great. 
you know, it's not a great record, no. but it's not bad either. And it's a stepping stone to what you want it to become. Let's remember something about the team from two years ago. They didn't come out in October and, and do a lot of things convincingly. I mean, like they go out and they win the first couple games and then they had a they, they went on that West Coast trip. They lost to Vancouver in a shootout. Now they came back in a third period to get it to that point. So it was nice to get a point. But then they had two forgettable games against Edmonton and Calgary. Then they come home. They play Dallas. Not a good game. And it wasn't until convincing win against Vegas, comeback win against Columbus at the end of that. Like now all of a sudden your brain went, oh, look, they actually like that. that that's different from a year ago. They have something different in them. It's not perfect yet. And then in November, they went out and won what? 11 games, 12 games, something like that. It was like a franchise record. Right. And by the end of November, you looked at that last game in November in particular, which was the Provorov overtime goal. And, and something felt different at that point. And then they got, then they also got kind of in the same vein of what you're talking about with Kevin Hayes. They got the ultimate bonding experience, which is one of our own is sick. He can't play anymore. We got to go out there and make the season about him. Yep. This team has been a chemistry team since the minute Kevin Hayes signed here. Pretty they, much. They've been, they've been a pulse team up and down with the mood in the room. And and that's the thing about it, because what happened when that happened, when Oscar Lindblom goes out of the lineup at that point and he's done for the year, basically, the first couple games aren't very good because Ugly. it's because it's a shock to your system. It, it, it's more human than anything that you're doing on the ice at the moment. Like that's more fragile life bigger is than the game. That's a more life is fragile moment than anything, because even though Oscar Lindblom is working his way back to being full health, full strength, everything's great. As we, Man, talk, he about looks going solid. Into, as we talk about going into the season, everything looks great at that moment. You don't know what the next couple months hold and you don't know how, far along this could be or whatever which direction he goes and what direction he goes and what happens i mean it's happened before you know it's happened before with athletes where it doesn't get any better and it turns out to become much even more fragile than what the situation is in the beginning and even even looking at a situation where yes again a similar life is fragile moment where one day jimmy hayes is co-hosting a podcast with two ex-nhlers one another one a former flyer who you know, they're able to talk to Kevin Hayes and get other teammates of Kevin Hayes on the show. And it's great. And everything's fun. And they're having a ball. And, and you see the you see how those two are brothers. They're exactly the same personality wise. And then the next day he's gone. And it's yep. a shock to your system. It's yep. it, it, it takes hockey and throws it out the window. It's secondary. But at some point in time, somebody like Kevin Hayes is looking at hockey and going, it, an is, it is my therapy. And it is my way of honoring him. Especially when playing with guys that he's known as long as he has, that he's close friends with, like Keith Yandel, like Cam Atkinson. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Kevin Hayes is a big, big, big part of this Flyers team this year. That's pretty good. So I obviously, you said three. I mean, I'm going to, I'll tease it because I'm not going to give away all my secrets right away. Uh, My my usual season opening post is 10 storylines. Okay. I will I will fully disclose because I think it would be it's too obvious not to state it. It's it's stating the obvious at this point. The number one storyline is, as you mentioned, it's Carter Hart. But right. beyond that, most of what I have is specific players and then their impact. They're a storyline for what reason? Like last year it would be outside of actually last year it wouldn't have been goaltending period because everything kind of came in and Carter Hart was pretty much 
solidified as the number one at that point, and we certainly expected better than what happened a year ago. So my number one and two were Nolan Patrick, Oscar Lindblom, because these were the two pieces internally that hadn't played the year before that were coming back. Right. So this is going to be, in some cases, this is new faces. In most cases, it's not. Like, I'll admit right away, Cam Atkinson's not a storyline for me. Okay. Because he's going to just fit into the lineup the way he fits. He's not a guy who I think your season completely hinges upon. It was a one-for-one one trade. He's it, it, Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Which, by the way, if I may, because I, I wanted to say this when we, we didn't say this when we were talking about the, the end of the preseason thing, but... The uh, goal in the final preseason game, the first one specifically. Yeah. Uh, I have four words to describe that goal for you. Okay. Get used to this. Love it. Because this is who you're. You, this is. If, if I, you didn't realize, did 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 was it as obvious to you as it was to me? Because I tweeted about it afterwards anyway. From the second he made the steal at the blue line, he not only had control of it, but it was I'm shooting this. He's shooting it. Yep. This is all me. I'm shooting. I can't wait to see what sign guy has in store. He's got all sorts of new new, new material. He's got Ellis. He's got Risto. He's got Atkinson. He's like, ugh, Martin Jones. Like, so, so I'm going to, in, in fairness, by the way, so as I'm looking at my 10 storylines, I have a not a draft. I have like my 10 topics, but I'm going to have to write in detail. I got until Friday, so it's not urgent on a Sunday morning. But... I'm going to probably have to alter one of them because I did not really throw Kevin Hayes in there. Not even from that that, that that standpoint, but filling the Kevin Hayes void is certainly a storyline early in the season. Absolutely. And, and his health. But there's enough on here. I will admit Travis Konechny is another name I bring up in this in this listing because okay. in the same in a very similar sense, it's much further down on the list. I have. Let's just wait. There's three very two specific players and one very pressing issue specifically from the preseason that kind of get into the top five automatically. And then to round out the top five, if you will, is a topic. You can if you think you know it, you can acknowledge it based on what I say, but I'm not going to mention said person's name. But you tell me if you know it based on this phrase I'm about to say, which is it's a topic we don't like discussing. I'm not 100%, but okay. I have You'll no t- idea, but <laughs> it, it, it's 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 a topic that we've gone over before or a possibility. Let's say that. It's not even a topic. It's a possibility that we've mentioned that we don't like. Okay. Be- because oh, is this trading Claude Giroux? It's not trading him. Oh. Okay. It's but it's the possibility that it's He doesn't finish his career here. It, it, it's in some possi- form or fashion, it, it's the it's the last year of his contract, and it's yep. the possibility that what happens if this doesn't go well? Yeah, that's what, the, that's what it is. It's not that it's the end of an era. Like I don't, I would never say that because let's this way. I don't know if you happen to catch it. I think you probably you could have because Friday night it was on NHL Network as a whole. They had the Caps broadcast on for the final preseason game, and they bring up. How they're surprised that, well, you know, Sean Couturier and Joel Farabee got contract extensions. I'm surprised Claude Giroux didn't get an extension in the offseason. They're apparently going to wait until the end of the year. I'm surprised by that. He's he's your franchise player. Yeah. So so what does that tell you? Without you know, Forget what anybody thinks about who actually works around this team, covers this team, watches this team on a regular basis. People around the league sit there and look and go, well, that's kind of weird. Like, 
he's the franchise. Right. And they still think that. Yeah. Says, says a lot. Sure does. He's been you the know. captain for, you know, almost 10 and, years at this point. And I mean, you know, so other than and other than that, like most of the storylines to me are newer players. Most of the storylines. I mean, let's put it this way. In the same vein that I mentioned, like you're sitting here going like, oh, is it trading Claude Drew? No, it's the possibility that this is the last year for Claude Drew because it, it all depends on how it goes. They might not trade him because they're still in a playoff spot. But what if they don't make the playoffs and they actually do decide it's time to end the era? I don't know. But. I certainly know that if the season doesn't get off to a decent enough start, then another name's going to come up, and that's the coaching staff. That's yeah, absolutely. Out because it's got to be better. It's got to be a better year, and you're supposed to be making adjustments and tweaking things and making the right choices. And and, and I don't know. Like, it's hard to sit there and say it's going to be Chuck Fletcher because Chuck Fletcher did his job. He went yeah, to the I don't think it's Chuck said, Fletcher. And said, I, I, and, and, and if you saw how much movement he provided, um, the amount of movement he provided in a, in a flat cap world in an offseason that kind of demanded this kind of change. He turned kind, over half of your defensive core. Kind of almost leads me to believe, though, that if something didn't go right, the organization would look at him and say, it's still in your hands because we trust you to make the right decision on what needs to happen next. Right. You've, you've made your bets. You've put you've, you, to a degree, have put your job on the line because you've made a lot of bets on players that need to perform. But we also, but you could also just as easily sit there and go, I trust you to make the right call on when it's time to move on from the current group as well if it doesn't go right. Like the, if there's players that you can move on from, which is probably why the door is wide open with, by my count anyway, I think 12 players signed through next, like through beyond this season into next season and beyond to leave the door open for up to nine or 10 that you could say are not coming back next year. Yep. That is certainly a possibility. And, and at the highest level, that's your Claude Drew. At the lowest level, it's the low-risk signings you made. It's Keith Yandel, Derek Broussard, Martin Jones, you know, guys like that. And then Nick Aubé-Cubell or... Various Justin, steps or, in between, yeah. Or Justin Braun, guys who have one year left that you go quite possibly replaceable at the end of the year anyway. Right. But you certainly leave the door open to when we get the money back, how do we address the issue? You know what I mean? Like that's where you like, you leave the door open for that, but you also have some big names that you're going to sit there and go. I mean, you don't have many, the only real big names I can think of that you have to address in the off season are Drew and Ristolainen. That's about right. it. Yeah. And, and the Flyers are, are in a spot. Go ahead. Rist Ristolainen's great money to get like once like getting back if you don't keep him, but it's also a lot to give up for a guy that you decided it was a one-off. Like yeah, there's yeah, a big, the... there, there was a big difference between Keith Yandel and Justin Braun. Eventually, didn't work out as a pairing at five on five, and we don't need to keep both of them. We'll move on. And you have Cam York waiting, and you find another veteran on a low-risk signing, a la Zdeno Chara, if you will. Not not that he specifically, right, but right. like a guy who makes eight hundred thousand dollars in a year, and you say go for it. And there's a difference between getting that guy and getting, you know, I don't know, like getting a guy like Ristolainen and agreeing to sign. Like, the thing is, is Ristolainen is not going to be making the money he makes this year, next year, if he's still a flyer, because he's going to have had a good enough year to make more. Probably, yeah. Well, how, and... how much more is the question? But certain, again, I kind of go to kind of put a bow on this. It's to go back to the thing I said at the beginning, which is when you make this many additions in the offseason, when you make as many changes as you made in the offseason 
it's hard to know what it's going to look like. We haven't even really seen the full product yet, period. And yet you need to get to a point where at the end of the day, you start to just play the games and see where it goes. Did anybody coming in two years ago think that they were going to be the best team in hockey going into the middle of March? Regardless, so. regardless of whether it ended there or not as a regular season. Did anybody think they were going to be that good? No. They, they were the hottest team in the league three weeks before the play or four weeks before the playoffs were supposed to start. Exactly. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, did anybody think that going in? No, absolutely not. And it took some time, right? Like, it wasn't like they brought in Matt Niskin and Kevin Hayes and Justin Braun and everything just suddenly fell into place. It took some time. It takes a little bit of time. Were, were, did those guys make an impact relatively early? Yes, they did. Because Niskanen created a steady environment defensively, and we started to see that at the beginning. And Hayes had the big shorthanded goal against Columbus in October, and you went, okay. Okay, we got something here. Also, Maybe. I was at that game, too. And that's Look, and that's a fun thing to start with, but to me, Hayes didn't really make his impact until until he was doing the belt thing and all that like yep. mid-season also. When he, like, when he really got that swagger picked up. Right, like then we started to really feel it, but that's that's months in advance. So, like, I, I forget how I got asked this, but like I remember bringing up the thing with like how coaching staff, or whatever. And I said they're not going to fire the coaches three games into the season because they don't win a game. Right. But if you but if you're at Thanksgiving and things aren't going well, it could be the end of the coaching. You staff. You could see it because yep. that's the marker. So get to Thanksgiving with a decent record. And be in a playoff spot potentially, or like you could be in a playoff spot, and I think you've got something there. And then bring in Tortorella. Uh, no, don't bring in Tortorella. Let him do his broadcast stuff wherever he he's at ESPN, right? That's funny. Uh, I think so. Yeah. But all right, before we get out of here, we are running up against a little bit of a time wall, real quick. Uh, yes, no. Do the Flyers make the playoffs? I hate this question. Well, it's an even-numbered year, so the answer is yes. Sure, that's fine. Um, all right, I, I won't give I won't give my answer as a yes or no. I'll just give it as what it what it really is. They better because they better. They, you're not because, wrong because th- that's what it is. It, it's do they? I don't know if they make the playoffs, but they better because they better. It, it's going to change. Even more is going to change if they don't make the playoffs. Yep. So well, there you go. We'll see. I say yes because I'm a hopeless optimist. And uh, with that's that, not, that's not my job. So I give you the I don't know, but they better. The journey starts on Friday and I'm very excited. And uh, we'll yeah, be back we're... on. We'll be back next Sunday to talk about it. You can find it wherever you find your podcast. Google Podbean, iTunes. It's going to be Google real podcast. Yeah, it's going to be it, real fun going into doing a show next week, going into the Seattle game. Oh, yeah. That's just going to be a lot of fun. Like, yeah. I, like there's a part of me that's a little disappointed that there's only, like the season starts on Tuesday. But there's not. We get to wait. <laughs> we have to wait three days. Yep. So there, there's a disappointment to that being the only game. But there's also like I think it's going to be really fun to go into that particular week. I do love that the first four games are at home, by the way. Me too. It's a rarity anymore, but I kind of really enjoy that. I, yeah, I can't wait either. And uh, with that so being I said, get, I say let's get to it. Yeah, absolutely. With that being said, make sure to check us out on sportstalkphilly.com. I didn't actually get that one out there during the plugs, but uh, I'll make sure to say it now. We got a lot of they got a lot of content over there gearing up for the season. We got that season preview article Kevin talked about. That'll be found over there. Uh, you can find it on his Twitter too at Kevin underscore Durso. And make sure to follow the show while you're there at YWT Podcast. And uh, with that being said, uh, the season starts on Friday. Nothing else to say. Let's just play the games, man. Let's just play the games. All right. See ya. <laughs>